Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When I found you, I found love. And who is love? God. God, God is love. Mm -hmm. So when we have the one that God has created from before the foundation to be our mate, we find love. And in that love, we find God. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Sure. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Let's pray. And we're going to get into the word for today. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, how we praise and worship and adore you. How exciting it is to know you. Thank you for this, this thing that we call love here in the earth. Thank you for giving us this emotion and this all that goes with being in love with another person and, and having uh, sex with another person who you have ordained from before the foundation of the world to be the one for us. Thank you for all of that. Whoop. So glorious. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we just give you the glory and the honor and all the praise. And we just pray that you by your spirit would teach us what you want us to know during this time about this great uh, topic on sex, that, that, that you would give me all that I need from you to speak forth what you want spoken forth in the way that you put me together, my personality, and call me to preach the word. I'm so grateful. I acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. I ask your Holy Spirit to be the teacher in the midst of us. That the word of God will come off these pages and live inside of us. And we'll live life that way. We give you all the glory today in Jesus' name. And like Jesus with those disciples, Father, we ask that you would open the scriptures to us. So we may comprehend your word. By the power and the anointing of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Amen. Uh, this series is called Sex Christ Rated. Sex Christ Rated. The way the Lord has led me in studying this and also in putting this series together, we started with intimacy with God. So we had to begin there because Revelations chapter 4, verse 11 says, gives us the whole reason why God created everything. And the reason God created everything was to give him pleasure. So we are part of that everything that was created. Amen? Amen. And we were created for the purpose of giving God pleasure. Right. Hello. Right. Amen? Yeah. Pleasing God. So when I got there, I actually went over from Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, and then dropped down to verse 7, because I was just reading on through. And how it talks about this thing that pleases God. And it says, for without faith, it is impossible to do what? Please God. God, right? right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right, so therefore I understood, okay, so faith is what gives God 
pleasure. All right, so I need to learn about faith. And then as I continue reading down to verse 7 in the Message Bible, it started talking, well, in all the Bibles, but in, in the Message Bible, this particular translation, it was talking about Noah and how Noah built a ship on dry land. I tell you, I love that phrase. One of these days, I'm just going to preach a message. The ship on dry land. Yes, I am. But anyway. <laughs> All right, but for right now, we're talking about sex. Amen. So anyway, so we know that faith pleases God. And from the Amplified Bible, that last part of that verse uh, there says, faith is perceiving as real fact that which has not yet been revealed to the senses, right? Mm -hmm. So what did Noah have? He had faith. He perceived as real fact that which has not yet been revealed to the senses. So he actually perceived that what God said, first he believed that God is. Mm -hmm. He believed it enough that he acted on what God said. He listened to him and acted on it. Mm -hmm. So he, be he believed what God spoke to him, the word that God spoke to him, he believed that it was so. To the point that Noah began to take wood and whatever other, other instruments he had and began to take and took the measurements that God gave, the type of wood that God said used, and began to build this thing called a ship or an ark on dry land. They had never heard of water coming out of the sky and out of the oceans and so forth before that would come up on land and cover them and cover their houses and cover mountains. They never heard of this because there was a mist that according to the scripture in Genesis that we're going to read in a few minutes, there was a mist that came, came up from the ground that, that watered the earth. All right, so there was no need for water to come down in the form of rain at that particular time. Do we see that? So here Noah was walking by faith. He was perceiving as real fact from God that which had not yet been revealed to the senses. He couldn't see this. He couldn't, he couldn't feel this. He couldn't, God just told him that he was going to destroy the earth. And he was going to do it with water. And he told him to build an ark in which he and all those who would come in would come in to that ark and be saved. All right, so Noah begins to build this ark. He didn't just build it for a month or a year or 10 years or 20 years. It took him 120 years. So all this time, he's also preaching. Even if he never opened his mouth, he's still preaching the gospel message at that point to those people who were all around him because you know people. You know they came to see what he was doing. They thought he was crazy when he told them. You know what I'm saying? He just did not receive what he said. Does that make sense? Alright, so he, so he perceived as real fact that which had not yet been revealed to the census and he kept on building. No matter what people said, he kept on building. Now as a result, when the ark was ready, God began to bring the animals on board. Noah didn't have to go out and look for the animals and get them two by two. and You know what I'm saying? He didn't have to do any of that. God began to bring those animals on board of that ark. Now that should have said something to the people. You know, you know if the animals have enough sense to get on this ark, I better get myself on there too. You know what I'm saying? But no, because they were at a point in their, in their being that they were now... So against the things of God. That's why he came to destroy it. 
You know what I'm saying? But Noah and his, his family, the eight of them, went on board. And he had built three levels and could carry whoever God brought into that ark. And so they, they now were in the ark and God shut the door. God shut the door. When God shuts something, it's shut. Amen? Amen. When God opens something, it's open. So God shut the door. Alright, so no one else could get in. And the water began to amazingly come from the sky. This was new. This is not something that they knew, that, this, that, that, that they were familiar with. This was new. But God has said it to Noah, and Noah believed it. God has shared it with the people. They refused to believe it. Do you see what I'm saying? But so Noah had done what God told him to do. He was walking by faith, and that pleased God. As a result, the floods did come. Everyone on the earth was destroyed. All right, and, as, uh, and then after the time that God had the flood to come, after that period was over, everything that he wanted to destroy was destroyed. The waters began to go off of the earth, and, uh, 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 um, and uh, there was dry land again, and Noah and his family were able to come out on the dry land. Of all the people, they were the only ones saved. And God called them to go and multiply and replenish the earth. Amen? Amen. So, in that first message, uh, from the Message Bible, it says, and Noah was intimate with God. So we went back and looked at intimacy with God. How does one become intimate with God? We have to get into God's Word. We have to believe that God is. Right? We have to believe that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, don't we? So we have to get into God's word. We have to believe God's word. Then we have to act on God's word. Regardless of what we think or feel or what is said to us that is not in line with God's word, we have to believe God's word. It causes us to be intimate with God. And faith has corresponding actions. If we truly believe the word, then we will act on the word. If a person believes that God says, tithe, and he, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and make you delight some land, then a person will begin to not give anything, just any amount. No, they'll begin to give the 10% of all that comes into their hands to God. That's tithing. Nothing else is. Hello? Hello? All right. All right, so... So if we believe something, we begin to act on it. If, if we believe in God, if we really believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So where it comes to sex, God has said all kinds of stuff in the Bible about sex. All right, And he also has said in here, the way that he put it together, we know that he made a man and a woman for each other. Amen? All right, We know that God says that we are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever as Christians, don't we? That's what the Word of God says. So either we believe it or we don't believe it. What we believe, we act on. Amen? We understand according as Christians, according to the Word of God, we are not to have sexual intercourse outside of marriage. That means we have to wait on God to give us the mate that he has for us and then wait until we are actually married to have sex with each other. Does that make sense? Now that's according to God's word. Amen. And if we believe God's word, then we are going to do what God says. If we want to please him, if we're going to be intimate with him in the area of sex, then we have to do it God's way, which led to our second, second message. We have to do what God says God's way. 
God made the parts. God gave us, I don't have any small children here, so I can actually say the words. Amen. Hallelujah. So God gave the man the penis. God gave the woman the vagina. Isn't that correct? And those two parts fit together. Isn't that amazing? That God would actually know what fits. And you know what I'm saying? And put those parts, one in the man and one in the woman, and at a particular time that God ordains, those two parts with the man and the woman are supposed to come together. Amen? Amen? Amen. And God knows how they work. Because guess what? He created them. Amen? So he created us with these parts. He knows that they work, and so we are partially, we are sexual beings. Does that make sense? We are male and we are female. There is no other. Amen. So we are male and we are female according to what? God. God. So I'm not dealing with according to the God of this world. I'm dealing with the true and living, only true and living God. Do we understand what we're saying here? Okay, so as we look at further at this whole thing of sex and defining it, because the message title today is Sex Defined, I'm going to start from John chapter 1, and then I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 1. So I would like for you to put your hands in both of those places, because I'm going to be going there once I start. Amen? All right, so what we saw is uh, the second message was uh, do it God's way. All right, God has a specific way for mankind to move sexually, for mankind to operate in their sexuality. God has a divine plan. God has a divine purpose. God is the one who we understand is the orchestrator or the originator or the creator of what we call today sex. Amen? Amen. All right. And so we're going to be looking at this through the scriptures. So you put your hand. We have to catch. What did you used to say? Uh, your hands on the yellow pages. So put your hands. We're going through the, the, the holy pages. Amen. All right. So we're going to be going through those today because we want to make sure that we understand from the scriptures uh, what the will of God is and what God defines as sex and what God says is right and what God says is wrong and what God says we, we should do in reference to sex. Does that make sense? Because we are children of whom? God. The only true living God. The true and the high and lofty one. Amen. The true God. Amen. Alright. And we, so, so we have to understand these things. Remember I said before that it is important that we understand that once we accept Jesus as personal Savior and Lord, we enter into his kingdom. Does that make sense? All right, so it tells us that there's another kingdom. It tells us that we came out of something into another kingdom. So that means that we must have been in another kingdom first and came out of that kingdom and came into the kingdom of God's dear son. Just like like the, the Israelites, they were in Egypt, but when God got ready to deliver them, he delivered them out of Egypt and took them into the promised land. All right, so once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, then what happens is, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, God actually delivers us from the kingdom of darkness... All right, so that's the kingdom. That's a kingdom. The kingdom of what? Darkness. Darkness. Okay. All right, the kingdom where the God of this world, who is Satan or the devil, rules. Do we understand that? Or has dominion. 
because dominion was given to them. Do we understand that? In Genesis chapter, in, in Genesis we start seeing uh, in chapter 3 that, um, that Satan began to speak with Eve. Eve listened to him. She was deceived by the devil uh, through this serpent and actually yielded up her right to dominion when she yielded herself to the devil. And then when she gave that fruit to, the, uh, to Adam and Adam ate of it also, he also yielded himself to the devil. When God says that you shall surely die and Satan said you shall not surely die and they believe Satan or the lie and the liar over the truth and the true one, then they yielded up their dominion that God had given them according to Genesis chapter 1. They gave it over to him. So he became known as the God of this world. That is why when we see in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 4, after he, Jesus is baptized, it says, it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. All right, we're in the midst of the temptations. Now, temptation is something that can actually tempt you. Isn't that right? That's right. All right, so the things that the devil tempted him with were things that he could be tempted with. The devil wouldn't tempt you with something that doesn't matter to you. If I'm not a smoker, a person could come up to me all day long with cigarettes and it wouldn't matter to me because I can't be tempted by it. Does that make sense? All right, so the devil would only tempt Jesus with something that he actually could be tempted by. And one of the things that he could be tempted by, he says that the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all of the what? Kingdoms of this what? World. He is the God, the devil is the God of this world. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world. That could be a temptation. Because Jesus was coming for the purpose of gaining, the, gaining back those people who were now in the, the kingdom of the devil. Right. Alright, do you see that? And so what the devil was actually tempting Jesus with was, I'm going to show you how to get the kingdom of this world without having to go to Calvary. Right. <laughs> that was the temptation. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what we're saying here? Get this, get this point, amen? So he was offering him a way to get back the people that Jesus knew from the Father that he had to come to go to Calvary for. And the devil was saying, I'll give you the kingdoms, just bow down and worship me. And that was a lie too, because if Jesus had bowed down, what would that make Jesus? He would make him a servant of the devil. Hello, just like the first time. He would have given over his dominion to the devil. So the temptation was real. Do we see that? I'll give you the kingdoms of this world, just like Adam had given them over to Satan. But Jesus put Satan in his place by saying, it is written. Do you understand that? You should worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then he kicked him out. All right, so, so, but what we see is Satan was offering Jesus a way to get the kingdom that Adam had given Satan back and, give, and offering it to Jesus in a way that Jesus didn't have to go to Calvary for it. But it was a lie because the devil is a liar. All right, 
So anyway, we're so anyway. I'm showing you that there are two kingdoms. And they're both powerful kingdoms. But the most powerful, of course, is God. But there are two kingdoms. And therefore, people, all the people in all of the world are in one of those kingdoms. Do we understand that? There is the God of this world, that is Satan. There are people who, who are in that kingdom. All right, And everyone who has not accepted Jesus as personal Savior and Lord, who said that in John chapter 14, verse 6, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by him, those who have not accepted him are in the kingdom of darkness, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Do we understand this? All of those who have accepted Jesus, who have accepted the way of the cross, who have accepted that Jesus died on that cross for us and rose again from the dead with all power in his hands, those who accept that, for, ask God to forgive them of their sins, then what happens is, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, they're delivered from the kingdom of darkness. We have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated over into the kingdom of God's dear son. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And that's what's called that's what makes us Christians. Amen. And Christians are supposed to live by God's book. Amen. Amen. All right. So this message of sex sex Christ rated is not for the unbeliever. This message is for the Christian. Does that make sense? All right, so because the Christian's responsibility is to live according to the word in every area of our lives. Does that make sense? So that includes our sexual life. Does that make sense to everyone? Amen. Amen. So today's message is called Sex Defined. Sex Defined. And I went to Webster's, like we, you know, do. And very simply... Sex is the distinction between male and female. It pertains to the sex or the sexes. Intercourse is literally a running or passing between a communication and interchange sexually. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's basically what the definition in the Webster's Dictionary says. So as we go into this message, I want us to know that definition, but we're going to take that a little further according to the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's look at John chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading down from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And you can read along with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word that they're talking about in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that was in the beginning is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So this creator, this uh, word of God, this, this one who is called God is the creator. I want you to understand that because this is the same creator that is in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in that beginning. Because these two beginnings are the same. In the beginning was the word in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. Okay, same beginnings. Okay, you understand that? All right, so whoever this is here in John chapter 1, verse 1, is God 
is the same one who is God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Do we understand that? There is no other God. There is only one God. Amen? All right. And it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then it goes on down, talking about John the Baptist. All right. And he says, and it goes on to say in verse 14, and the word that they're talking about in John chapter 1, verse 1, this word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his what? Glory. glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace, Grace and truth. So we understand that this is talking about Jesus. Amen? All right. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Let's look over at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Amen? In the beginning... God, that's Elohim, the tripartite being God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We understand that to be the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three personalities in one God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the what? Earth. Earth was without form and void, void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the who? The Spirit of God. Here's the, three, the third part of the Trinity. There's God the Father in John chapter 1 verse 1 through, the, through, through that portion of scripture. We saw God the Son who's also there creating. And then now we see the Spirit of God here in, John chapter, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. He is at work creating. He hovered over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit is the operative power of the Godhead. God speaks something, God the Father speaks something, God the Son speaks something, and the Holy Spirit goes out and sees that it's done. He's the operative power of the Godhead. All right, and then if we drop down from this passage, we see, in, uh, and I could read this whole thing because we see that God said, God said, God called, God saw, God spoke, and when he did that, things happened. Do we understand that? All right, then in verse 11 in John, John uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs at, that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to his, its kind, whose seed is in itself. We'll see this phrase often, whose seed is in itself, or after it's according to its kind. On the earth, as it was so, verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. Do you see that? We see a repetition here over and over. God is making a point. Whenever he's repeating something, he's trying to say something over and over again. Everything brought forth after its kind. And the seed for reproduction was in its kind. Do we understand that? Okay. God saw that it was good, verse 13, so the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, and, and as we go down, we see it was so. And then God made three, the, the, the great, two great lights, all right, and the, the stars he made them as I'm going on down in this passage. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule the day and over the night to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was what? 
Good. Good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God let the waters abound, said that he spoke it and said that the waters abound with abundance of living creatures and that birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of, of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves which with which the waters abounded according to their what? Kind. And every winged bird according to its what? Kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them. And he blessed them and said something. Here he speaks to these creatures now that he has made. And he said, be what? Fruitful and do what? Multiply. Alright, here's our first mention basically of sex. He wanted these, these animals that he now created, these creatures that he now created, to begin to be fruitful and multiply, bring forth others. Does that make sense? Yes. Be fruitful and multiply, bring forth others. Okay? And fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth a living creature according to what? It's kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its what? Kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its Kind, you know, after a while you say, oh, this is monotonous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But God, but God is getting across a point. Do we understand this? The creatures that he made, he created them, put the seed for reproduction in them, and told them to start multiplying. Start having sex with each other and multiplying according to your what? Kind. kind. Do we understand that? Do we understand yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Then verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Alright, let's go back and look at this. This is how we know, again, that he's pointing back to, when it says, let us, it's pointing back to the first word of God in the scripture in, ver in chapter 1, verse 1. God, Elohim, the three-partite being God. Do we understand that? Mm -hmm. All right, so he says, let us. He's not talking about here angels, because not, angels do not have God's image. Amish, angels do not have God's likeness. Do we understand that? Yeah. All right, so when some people say, well, this us here does not mean, uh, you know, a, a God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It means God and the angels. No, it does not. It says after, it's one, one image, one likeness. He says, let us, which is plural, make man in our, which is plural. Then he goes singular on you. Our image, not images. Our likeness, not likenesses. Do we understand that? All right, man is the only being in the earth, human beings are the only beings in the earth that are made in God's image and God's likeness. Do we understand that? All right, we see this from the scripture. I am taking us on a journey through the scriptures to talk about sex. 
to define it for us according to God. Then verse 27, after God created man in his own image after his likeness, he said in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And when he blessed them, he spoke to them. Notice both times when he blesses something, he speaks to it mm -hmm. and says something. All right, so he blessed them and said, God said to them, be what? Fruitful, Fruitful and, and do what? Multiply. Multiply. So what is he telling them to do? Go out and have sex with each other after your own kind and multiply. Right. Have others like you. Does that make sense? Okay. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Now he gave them, Adam and Eve, male and female, dominion on the earth. A power, authority on the earth. Like his authority in heaven, human beings had authority on the earth. This is not something he gave to the birds. This is not something he gave to the, uh, to the fish. Right. This is not something that he gave to the other animals. Do we see this? Right. This is the only person, beings, that God says that he wants them to have dominion. On the earth that he's to have, have dominion on, over the fish of the sea, over the other things that he made. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Man, human beings, were to have dominion over those things. And then God says, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God, let me just take one journey. God would not put mankind on the earth and not give them enough supply here in the earth. What has caused lack of supply is greed. Exactly. The God of this world has, is moving and deceiving people and causing them to do things that are unjust toward other people. Amen? Yeah. There is more than enough here in the earth to supply every person with everything that they will ever need. That's the way God does things. Amen. Amen. All right. Remember John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus is speaking, who is God, manifested in the flesh. And he says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So we understand that the thief, who is the God of this world, who is the devil or Satan, comes to steal what God has created, to kill what God has created, and to destroy what God has created. Do we understand that? Amen. God is not the destroyer. The devil is. All right? We also see an example of that in Job chapter 1. When that's why we need to read the whole Bible. Amen? Because it tells us another example of John chapter 10, verse 10a, what Jesus said about the thief. All right, because Job, when, when Jesus, when uh, when God boasted of Job, the devil wanted to, the, the devil started destroying. Mm -hmm. He started killing when God gave him permission. Do you know what I'm saying? He started killing. He started destroying. He didn't come and give something good. He didn't come and add something to Job. He started taking away. That's what the devil does. 
And so when we get over to sex, let's remember that there's a God of this world. And his purpose, even with sex that God created, is to steal it, to kill it, and to destroy it. And that means to steal the ones who are, who are having sex, to kill the ones who are having sex, and to destroy them. He is a deceiver and he is a liar. You cannot believe him. Do we understand? God is a giver of life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from, the, from God. Amen? So when God created sex, God created it good. And it's a perfect gift. That God meant to be used the way God wanted it to be used. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. All right. So anyway, I'm, I'm still in a, a foundation for sex defined. Amen? Amen. All right. So here, God saw that everything he had made was good, and indeed, indeed it was very good. All right. Then we get over to chapter 2, and it further explains God's creation. And it says here, he rested on the seventh day. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Uh, uh, and because in it he had re he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Then it goes back and tells you the history. Look at verse 4. This is the history in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown for the Lord had God had not caused it to rain on the earth see there and there was no man to till the ground but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground so you can understand how people could not believe Noah when he said there's going to be water coming out of the sky alright All right. verse 7 and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth, the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So that explains to us Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 where it says, God create, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This tells us how he did it. Verse 7 of chapter 2. God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's how he did Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Do you understand me? Am I going too fast for anyone? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so now as we go on, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it talks about the rivers that were in, that, in the garden. Let's go over from there to verse 15 of, John, of, of Genesis chapter 2. In verse 15 it says, Then the Lord God took the man that he had made, right? He took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. That was, that was God's tithe. That's the part that God wanted back. Amen? All right. Every other tree you can eat of it, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You... You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall what? 
surely die. Or that phrase means in the Hebrew, in dying, you will die. That means that, sure, he was still, if he ate of it, he would still be living, but, but his body would start to decay. At this point, Adam's body was not decaying. The cells kept reproducing, and they were they producing uh, ageless. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, because sin had not entered the world. Where there was no sin, there was nothing that could destroy anything that was in that person's body. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. After sin, the cells started decaying, and they got old, and they died. So in dying, you shall die. That's what God said. All right. Do you see that? And the Lord God said, it is, read that with me. The Lord God said, the Lord God said, the Lord who? The Lord God. All right. The Lord God said what? It is not good, read it with me, that man should be alone. I will make him a what? Helper, comparable to him. Do we see that? Now at this point, look at, the, look, at, look at me in reference to this now. At this point, when the Lord God said that it's not good for man to be alone, at this point he says, I'm going to make. Who's going to make? God. God himself, the creator of everything that's in the earth, said, I'm going to make man a helper that's comparable to whom? To him. So it's not going to be a bird. It's not going to be a dog. It's not going to be a dinosaur. Hello. Isn't that correct? That's right. All right. So at this point, we don't know, according to God's definition, what is really comparable to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says he doesn't want the man to be alone. He says, I'm going to make him a helpmate comparable to him. At this point, we don't know what's comparable to man in God's sight, in God's mind. Does, do we understand this? So we have to continue reading to see what God says, what God defines as a proper helpmate comparable to man. Mm -hmm. Do we understand what, we, what we're saying here? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Okay, so as we read on, look at what happens. It's not good, verse 18, that man should be alone. I will, I will make, God will make, the creator will make. A helper comparable to him out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and so forth. And then he brought him to Adam to see what he was going to call them. Because Adam had a mind that was out of this world. Amen. It was made by God without sin. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the birds, all every beast. You know, but can you imagine Adam looking around? Say, okay, that's a horse. Okay, that's an ant. Okay, you know, that's a who, whatever. But that does that doesn't look nothing. That doesn't look that doesn't look like me at all. Can you imagine that? I can imagine anyway. And it says in verse twenty, the last part. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable. What was God going to create for him? A helper comparable. Isn't that right? And it says here, of all those animals that he made, there was not found a helper comparable to Adam. And then, look what God does. Okay, we still don't know what the helper is that's comparable to Adam looks like. Right? We don't know. In God's sight, what that means. So we have to continue reading. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep 
to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Now, read verse 12 with me. Then the rib, read verse 12 with me. Then 22, okay, I'm sorry, 22. Thank you, thank you for the correction. That means y'all paying attention. <laughs> All right. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, a woman, a woman. He took that rib from the man and he made a woman. Wow. All right, is that clear? That's clear. And he brought her to the man. And then Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man, verse 24, let's read it together, and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and be joined to his wife and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh Selah, that's why I'm stopping that's a Selah, you saw that Selah one flesh, you saw that <laughs> they shall become one flesh stop right there rest, now go on and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed. There was no sin. There was no reason for shame. Everything God had made was good. Do, do we understand that? Everything God had made was good. Now I want to go over to the definition that God gave me when I was first putting this message together <clears throat> so that you can see it from this perspective. In the flesh, it, well, let me go back. Sex is holy before God. In the flesh, it is the act that identifies the oneness that a husband and his wife are supposed to have in marriage, exemplifying Christ Jesus and his church. And it exemplifi exemplifies the covenant that is established between God and human beings. God and a husband and his wife. So sex is a holy thing. Mm -hmm. It exemplifies, identifies the oneness that a husband and wife are supposed to have in marriage. It exemplifies, uh, is an example of the oneness that Jesus has with his church. It exemplifies the covenant that is established between God and human beings. So why do you think the devil would want to mess it up, deceive us, lie to us, destroy it? Destroy this wonderful thing that God made. Why? Because God made it. And he hates God. Does this make sense? Okay. Alright. So. I just want us to look at. Uh, let me just define the, the uh, sex as I'm talking about it today. Sex equals sexual intercourse. When a man and his wife enter into a sexual union where his private part, which is his 
penis fits into her private part, which is her vagina, through movement together, those parts of their entire bodies become excited to the point of orgasm. The man emits semen, which goes into the woman's vagina, connecting with the egg, which can cause pregnancy or multiplication. Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. The only way for two human beings, a man and a woman, to be re reproduced is through sexual intercourse. Do we see that? All right. Uh, pregnancy, the act of reproducing another human being. All right. God is all up in that. Do we understand that? All right. And it is a holy act between a man and his wife. A, a man and the woman that God brings to him to give him to be his wife. They're supposed to wait until after God gives them to them, gives them to each other, and also wait until after they are married. Amen? Amen. The reproduction of another human being cannot come through oral sex, the mouth to the vagina or to the penis. The reproduction of another human being cannot come through anal sex, the penis into the backside. The reproduction of another human being cannot come through masturbation, the hand or some other instrument used to bring oneself to an orgasm. Deception. Lie. The parts that God made to fit each other is for reproduction, first of all. It's also for pleasure. Amen? Amen. But it is for reproduction. All right, he says, be fruitful and do what? Multiply. Multiply. Amen? All right, my husband and I finish multiplying. <laughs> all right, I've entered another phase of life. Isn't that right? So I don't have menstrual cycles anymore, which would cause me to be able to have a child. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now it's simply for pleasure. Does, does that make sense? All right, because we've had the child that God was going to give us. Amen? All right, but now it's simply for pleasure. Amen? And pleasure it is. All right, so let's move on. I'll get there. I'll get to that point. But anyway, but I just wanted to mention that in passing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wanted to mention that in passing because where are our children going to learn that sex is wonderful? Where are they going to learn that it is good, God's way? Who's going to tell them? Do you, do, you, do you think the world is going to tell them this? No. The world would deceive them. Because the God of this world is a deceiver and a liar. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. What does he come to steal? What does he come to kill? What does he come to destroy? Everything that God has placed in the earth. Do we understand this? Does it make sense? Yes. I am going slowly because I have all the time in the world. Alright. So when you see in the scripture, this one begat this one. And this one begat that one. And that one begat that one. It, you, it goes on and on as, as you go through certain passages in the scripture. Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, you see begat, 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 begat. You also see that when you come to the genealogies of Jesus in the New Testament. Begat, mm -hmm. begat, begat, begat. Just know that they were having sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. 
Isn't that right? Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right, because sexual intercourse, God's way, brings about children. Hello. Until there's a point where you can you you're simply doing it for pleasure because the thing that in within that male and female that causes them to be able to reproduce is not is not functioning that way anymore. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay. Now let me see how we're going to close out this message because this is not the end. Amen. All right. But I am ending the message for today. Sex is holy before God. Sex was intended for a male and a female that God brings together in marriage to have together. Sex was made for reproduction and sex was made for pleasure within the marriage. God never intended to be outside of that sexual intercourse experience. God wants to be Jesus, is to be Lord, even in your sexual intercourses. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Jesus is to be Lord, and he is to be worshipped, even in the sexual act. Does this make sense? It is something that is holy. It is something that God smiles upon. It is something that God gets all up in and wants to give you ultimate pleasure, physically. Amen? Amen. And God is the only one who can give you that ultimate pleasure in the sexual act because he's the only one who's the maker of sex. <coughs> God's way. Amen. Amen? Amen. Sex is holy before God. And through our sexual intercourse with our husband or our wife, we are worshiping. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for your precious word. It, it continues in every subject matter to be a lamp to our feet. Hallelujah. And a light to our pathway. Thank you that we are in Jesus. Mm. Thank you that we're in the, your, your kingdom. Thank you that your word tells us what you expect in your kingdom. And in the name of Jesus, we are committed to being worshipers of yours by doing what you say and doing it your way. Because Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, even in sex. In Jesus' name, amen.